know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. The Boston Bruins are wasting no time on the day before trade deadline day. Pasternak resigned. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi, at least minutes before we started recording, it was reported he was going there from Detroit. Uh, the Boston Bruins, they know their time is now. They're making some moves. They are. Look, Pasta got the bag, man. $11.25 yes, million sir. on a maximum eight-year extension. Uh, this has been a grind of negotiation. You know, the, the talks between his agent, J.P. Barry and Don Sweeney have gone back several months. Uh, remember way back when, when he signed the, the current deal that's actually expiring, he, he had a little bit of an extended negotiation, missed start of the training camp that year. And so there's, there's been a pattern here. And look, this is a decidedly not Boston Bruins contract, right? This breaks the mold of the deals that we've seen, you know, Bergeron, Marshawn, uh, even Charlie McAvoy and, and, and Pasternak on his previous deal signed because he's he's now paid among the best paid players in the league. I think deservedly so. Um, but you know, there's, there's no element of team discount on this one. And, you know, I, I don't think that makes it a bad contract by any sense, but it's a bit of a reset for the Bruins organization at a time, of course, where, you know, we know David Pasternak's going to be in Boston long-term now. We don't know who else is going to be there. This is an all-in year, right? We don't know about Patrice Bergeron, David Krejci, if they'll be back next season, you know, the Bruins having such a special year and, and they're, they're pushing their chips in, um, because getting Tyler Bertuzzi is a big coup. You know, he's a player I think the Toronto Maple Leafs had some interest in. I, I was kind of keeping my eyes on, on that situation potentially. And and there you go. <laughs> you know, a division rival snatches him instead. Um, you know, another first-round pick out the door, conditional first-round pick as part of that package to get Bertuzzi. And, you know, the Bruins have loaded up. I think a couple things to watch in Boston now. Taylor Hall, um, you know, was injured. And, and this might be a bit of a longer-term type injury situation. So, I think that that might inform, you know, how this Bertuzzi deal came to be. You know, Nick Foligno's also, uh, you know, been injured recently as well. So, you know, th- this is uh, some depth for them. But uh, if ever there was a Bruins player, I would suggest Tyler Bertuzzi fits the mold. You know, big, big rough and tumble winger. And, um, you know, Boston has just had a, a, a pretty strong deadline period, given that they, they didn't have much cap room to work with. And to add Hathaway, Orlov, and now Bertuzzi, in addition to getting their, their superstar signed, um, it's been a busy few weeks for Don Sweeney and the next few weeks and months will determine whether it was all worth it or not. Yeah. For people who wanted peace in, uh, the Eastern conference, the, you are not getting it considering the flurry of activity we've seen. And of course the best team in the regular season right now, you're right. Look, Hathaway or Orlov, Orlov who scored twice against the flames the other day. Uh, and now Tyler Bertuzzi, it looks like, uh, just, Great work, actually. I, I, if you're getting like an early winner ahead of the deadline, I don't know how we're going to go about winners and losers if, if that's something we want to do. Uh, and again, way too soon to do that. So I'm not trying to get you to do that right now. But uh, Don Sweeney and the Bruins look like one ahead of the deadline. Well, and look, if if you get this far into the season with the record they have, I mean, you have to go for it, right? I mean, there is no tomorrow in Boston. And, 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 you know, maybe you even if you get these veteran centers to come back for one more season, I mean, I think it's pretty clear we're at the end of this cycle for this team and, and they're still so damn good. 
and so you gotta you gotta do what you can can do if you're in Don Sweeney's case. I mean, look, we've seen him often resign the players. You know, whether it was Taylor Hall a couple of years ago at the deadline, Hampus Lindholm. You know, Tyler Bertuzzi is a pending unrestricted free agent. He's had a bit of a tough year in Detroit. You know, maybe maybe they do get his signature on a deal at, at some point in the future here. And so this isn't just a rental as well, uh, because I think with, with the age that he's at, it would sort of fit with with kind of a retool that that they're going for. And and so they're they're going to be uh, a really tough out either way. And and now they've gotten even more depth at the forward position. Um, you know, there's just not not a hole in that Boston team. Doesn't mean they can't be beat, but it's it's going to be tough. We got to also mention uh, we're going to be reviewing uh, some of the bigger trades that have happened in the last little while. So we'll talk about Jacob Chikrin, uh, Patrick Kane, Matthias, uh, Mat- Matthias Ekholm as well. Uh, Jonathan Quick, that's a weird story coming out of Los Angeles as well. We're going to get to the Leafs because, uh, you know, Luke Shen went down, Rasmus Sandin. Seems like there's still a glute of defensemen they still kind of have to deal with over there. There's a lot we're going to get to. And of course, because it's the deadline and because deals come fast and furious if there's some other trade uh that goes down while we're recording we'll we'll find a way to get to that as well and we'll get to stakes taps by the end of the show uh but let's get to db and then we'll run through some of these trades you can bet that with david bastel brought to you by sports interaction get in the action and make a play 19 plus please play responsibly welcome to you can bet that with david bastel uh, the last one before the nhl trade deadline tomorrow hopefully uh you are keeping yourself informed as well as you can preferably uh through our our man cj with all of the uh, always, trades and happenings always. come on now yes <laughs> of course Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. If you go on that website, you'll find really interesting pinata picks, including one that uh, DB, you're going to play live. Well, yeah, quote unquote live as we live. go off the show, well, uh, you know, but we're going to we're going to we're going to go through this cool one here. Uh, I'll read it out here. Get a random goalie and win at 80 to one if he's the next goalie to score a goal in the National Hockey League. Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm going to ask you guys this before I actually play it for you, and I'll tell you exactly what goalie we got because it, it is kind of fun. So pinata bet is you risk the money, you press the button, and it shoots out either a stat, a number, whatever you bet on. In this case, it's going to be a goaltender. So let me ask you guys this before I play it. Out of all the NHL goaltenders that have played eligible minutes, what goalie would I want to get on this pinata be the next goal score? The next goalie goal score? Because there's been a lot of talk since Allmark scored that goal this weekend, and it's like, oh, that's kind of cool and so forth. And you saw what social media did. So Sports Interaction decided to say, okay, that's great. Who's the next goalie? So who am I hoping for once I press this button, CJ? Ooh, I want UC Soros. Okay. Ooh, okay. You like UC Soros. I'm going to take Andre Vasilevsky. Okay. And let's try it out here. So 80 to one, I'm only going to risk a dollar because I'm, I'm a dollar kind of guy when it comes to this. <laughs> and we're going to place so the risky. bet. Yeah, very risky. The pinata shaking as it speaks, uh, as we speak. And the goalie we got is, oh, okay. Casey DeSmith. Is that Interesting. good? Uh, I uh, hmm. <laughs> I mean, he's a goaltender uh, in the National Hockey League, he, so he, he is. He plays he, minutes. He, he, he at least he, he can play. You know, we're not getting an <laughs> AHL goalie. Yeah, that's true. Like, so, so because it's Casey DeSmith or guy who isn't necessarily a starter for a team, like, does that like, like, how does that affect like your winnings if he actually like gets a goal? Well, it's still it's, eighty it's, to one. Yeah, it's eighty to one. So, so eighty to so, one, right? 
So if he's the next guy, say he goes out there and pops a goal for us, which would be kind of wicked for this show, um, I'd win 80 bucks. And then chances are sports interaction would say, listen up, Bastel, you work for us. Give us back that 80 bucks. No, no, they wouldn't say that. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> because I technically I don't bet on sports interaction on the site because I work for the site, but I have to have an active account to know exactly what's going on on the site because I talk about it with you guys and other great shows and, and so forth across the Dangle Podcast Network. And and this yes, is kind of cool because this is exclusive to sports interaction. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I've been I've been uh, uh, kind of uh, playing some different pinatas just to see like. For example, tonight for the Flames and Leafs game, there's a pinata on shots on goal at 500 to one. Now, what you have to do is uh, get the exact flame shots, exact leaf shots, and that one dollar could score you 500. But you guys also know that there's a lot of luck behind it. And if anybody ever wins this, it just like Lotto 649, it's it's <laughs> it's a fluke, right? <laughs> so well, yeah. it's, a fun one. Smith. it's a fun one <laughs> go casey to smith yeah, that's exactly I have never your shot for young casey man. to smith more yes uh, also shots will be 42 18 in favor of calgary over the toronto maple leafs tonight uh, i'll write that down right that, now i think that's what i'll do <laughs> write it down uh don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash sdpn for all the best odds before game in game and the best props. Don't forget those pinata picks as well. Again, sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. Take care, DB. Thanks, guys. Let's start off with the Jacob Chikrin trade that sees him go from Arizona to Ottawa. But it seems like the return might be a little bit underwhelming from the Coyotes' perspective, or at least maybe through what we in the media and hockey fans might have expected. Am I wrong? Well, it's, it's lower than where they'd set the price for these last two years, right? I mean, it, it had been two first-rounders plus was the price that the Bill Armstrong had asked for. Now, it doesn't mean they necessarily did poorly on this trade because there's a couple things to consider. Look, not all first-rounders. We use first-rounders broadly, but they're not all built the same. And the Ottawa Senators' first-round pick is going to come sooner in the draft than the Boston Bruins would have, for example, if they had made this trade. And so I think from Arizona's perspective, because this is likely to to fall somewhere in the, the 10 to 20 range, we'll see, you know, what the senators can make of the rest of their season. Um, you know, I think that 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 is is a positive for them. They also get two second rounders. So, you know, I, I would not say it's an awful return, but really when this situation got to the, the final days or the final week, say, um, and Arizona was working with a number of different teams that, that had kept tabs here. I think it came down to money and some of those teams needed Arizona retain salary to make the Jacob Chikrin trade work or needed Arizona to take back a player or a contract to kind of balance the books. And, you know, Ottawa was the one that didn't, um, you know, there was also some teams out there with concern about a back injury for, for Chikrin, I think as well, that that was maybe a bit of a factor, but ultimately what got Ottawa across the finish line and, and, you know, good for the senators and, and Pierre Dorian, because he stuck to his guns here. You know, the initial ask from, from the coyotes when they were having discussions on Chikrin were for some of his younger players like Mad Sogard or Ridley Gregg um, in addition to a first round pick. And, you know, in, in the end, he doesn't end up taking any of the, the prospects out of, you know, what is a pretty strong prospect pool. Uh, the senators organization is amassed and, you know, they're adding a good player uh, that they can drop in their lineup you know, actually tonight, I think he's due to play uh, on Thursday in in, uh, in Madison Square Garden for the Senators. So 
Um, you know, I think it works out well in the end, but really this was driven by money. And in this case, the Coyotes unwillingness to, to take back any money or, or to retain any salary on Chikrin. And that ultimately is what pushed Ottawa to the front of the queue. And I think, I think they do get a little bit of a lower acquisition cost as a result of, of that fact. I like the fact that Ottawa makes this move because it just kind of furthers them out of the, you know, we're still rebuilding stage to a team that's actually, you know, trying to go. I mean, the offseason was them really trying to do it, but like them getting a guy like Jacob Chikrin that helps fortify that effort to try to make a run at the playoffs and at least be competitive for years to come, at least try to be that. Right. And Chikrin wants to be there too. I think that's important to underline that this isn't, you know, they're getting a, a motivated player, a guy who's wanted a fresh start for a long time, who played really well this year when he when he was healthy and playing for the Coyotes. It's kind of a strange situation. He he sat out eight games in a row for the, the trade-related reasons scratch. And so it, it must be strange for him to be thrown into a game after a couple of weeks of not being able to play. Um, but, you know, you're getting someone in the right age of his career that fits with where the Senators are at. And I'm with you. It's 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 if you take the whole deadline period as a whole too, Julian. I mean, they traded away Nikita Zaitsev's salary to to Chicago, and basically Jacob Trickerin makes what Zaitsev makes going out the door. And so they they've clearly gotten an upgrade on Zaitsev in this series of moves. Obviously, they sacrificed some draft capital to do it, but you know this is about the Senators being better and trying to be more competitive. And look, they've had a great run the last month or so. They've 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 really strung together wins. They beat. Detroit on back-to-back nights and pretty big games, you know, given where the wildcard chase is at. And, and while they're certainly facing an uphill climb to, to truly get into the playoff spot, I don't think there's any doubt they're playing big games now and they're in a, they're in, in a position of adding, I mean, Brady Kachuk, since he's been part of that organization, it's, it's always been selling at the deadline, right? It's, it's like a garage sale in Ottawa typically at this time of year. And so I think that, that, that alone will just change the vibe on the team and we'll make this, this next stretch of games, into March and April. So important for, for the younger players that uh, compose the, the, the nucleus of that Senators team. Anything else we want to add about Jacob Chikrin before we move on to another deal that uh, finally happened, uh, <laughs> Patrick King to the New York Rangers. Well, I'll say it's been a saga, right? And just crazy. The number of teams that called on Chikrin. Like I think even in the last week you had Pittsburgh, you know, knocking on that door, Washington, I'm going to miss someone. Columbus was interested to some degree. Carolina uh, was interested. Obviously, Edmonton nearly had a deal earlier in the week with Chickren before they pivoted and went and got Matthias Ekholm instead. And and there's there's more than that. I mean, that's an incomplete list. But you know, I think there was eight or ten teams even right up until the end that at least were you know Buffalo was there keeping tabs on it. You know, most of those GMs just found the price too much, or or again had the complication of of the the salary or, or cap related issues to make the deal. But, uh, you know, that's, that, that's a unique one. And and I think I'm, I feel happy just for, for the kid in this case that he gets a chance to move on. And and even for the coyotes that they can get on to other business. Cause that, that was a pretty dramatic drawn out affair. All, all things considered. Sure. I'm glad for Jacob Chikrin. Uh, he'll get to make his debut. Uh, it looks like against the New York Rangers because there's no one else who's going to be playing that game who will make any such debut. So all of the attention will be on Jacob Chikrin. Number 88 in blue. Psych, it's Patrick Kane. Uh, finally, uh, a New York Ranger. Uh, I believe he also doesn't go for a first-round pick in that deal. Some picks in that as well. Let's talk about that deal. Well, Chicago knew they had to do right by Patrick Kane. And, and you know, I think that this was a difficult last month. You know, in, in a perfect world, and we don't live in a perfect world, 
you know, Kyle Davidson, the Blackhawks general manager probably would have known a month ago that, that Patrick Kane only wanted to go to the Rangers and, and, you know, maybe had more time to make a different kind of deal, maybe make a deal before the Tarasenko trade went down. Um, you know, but it didn't work out that way. Kane, it was, there was a lot of questions about his hip injury, his health. Was he going to want to play? Obviously he had a, a monster last four games uh, in Chicago and, and, you know, clearly had the competitive juices going, you know, ultimately last Friday, uh, there was a series of conversations that the, the Blackhawks were on the road in San Jose and, you know, the Rangers needed to know that day one way or another is Kane or out in or out because they had to make a whole series of moves to make it possible. They got the indication Kane was, was in, uh, he left the team and, and flew back home to Chicago while things played out, you know, we've, we've detailed some of those moves, but you know, they, they trade away craps off, you know, essentially for, for very little to, to Vancouver. Cause they needed to create cap room. They waive Jake LeCision. They, they keep Braden Schneider and Ryan Carpenter on the bench for a game and don't play them um, just to protect their assets. They send those guys down to the AHL. They make all these cap maneuvers and, and then ultimately we're able to add Patrick Kane uh, earlier in the week, you know, via Arizona and ultimately, I think the acquisition cost just reflects that that there was no leverage for Chicago. I mean, they have a, a great player in Patrick Kane, but he controlled where he wanted to go. And it was one place and, you know, they got a second round pick out of it. But I think more than anything, they're they're trying to do right by, you know, a, a legend in their franchise's history, um, you know, and, and getting him somewhere he wants to go. And I think it'll be very fascinating just to see how he plays, how he fits. You know, again, it looks really good on paper when when. You think of like Jimmy VC having to play top six minutes most of the season for the Rangers. And now you have Tarasenko scored an overtime winner in Philadelphia this week. And now Patrick Kane, you know, occupying those spots on the top two lines, uh, you know, potentially reuniting Kane and Panarin, you know, who had so much success in Chicago. I mean, it, it's, it's a pretty delicious, pretty sexy trade. It feels like the Rangers of old adding big names. Um, you know, it doesn't mean it's going to work. It hasn't necessarily shifted the balance of power. We're going to have to see how that all goes down, but um you know, it's going to be pretty cool to see Patrick Kane in another uniform. Um, as much as, you know, I think it's nice when players can spend a whole career in one place. I mean, this guy has scored so many big playoff goals and he just hasn't, I mean, yet Blackhawks haven't been near the playoffs outside of the bubble. You know, I think the last six years that they, they didn't play a playoff game. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what Showtime can, can give us at this stage of his career. And, and, you know, I, I think it's been an emotional month for him, but I, I imagine he's pretty excited to get going and, and, you know, truly get his feet under him there with a the new team. I just want to say the forward core for the Rangers looks filthy. You can have a line with Kreider, Zabinijad, and Tarasenko. Panarin, uh, Trocek, and Kane. It looks like that's going to be the line with those three. You have the kid line with Lafreniere, uh, Philip Hedl, and, and Capocacco. And then you can move Jimmy VC down and, and put him on a line with Barkley Goodrow and Tyler Mott. Like, across the forwards, like, this looks pretty good. Get some scoring, get some energy up and down the lineup. Like this is pretty good in terms of forward forward lines. That I mean, I don't know if this is controversial to say. The Rangers could probably feel they could match up against any team, especially the Eastern Conference, with those four lines. It just looks absolutely filthy. Right, and and you got a great goalie and a great blue line too, and a team that played in the Eastern Conference Final last year. I mean, the, the, you know, this is it's what a wild year this is. I know we've we've been banging that drum but i think last year i read the stat in the five days leading up to the deadline i think there were six total trades and we're now over 30 in the same period this year so i mean th this this is bananas like we've seen so many first liner sorry first rounders traded 
like multiple first rounders traded and then traded again in subsequent deals at the same deadline. I mean, this is everybody's emptying the tanks and, and I think it really ups the stakes. I mean, the playoffs always have huge stakes, uh, but it really ups the stakes um, as we, as we move towards the Stanley cup playoffs. Okay. So we mentioned Chikrin, we mentioned Kane. Uh, what about the Matias Ekholm deal uh, to Edmonton? The Oilers finally get themselves a defenseman. He made his debut uh, Wednesday night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. In fact, he did, and and you know, pretty successful debut. The Oilers looked really good with with the new look blue line. I think ultimately, look, they they flirted with a lot of different moves. Did Edmonton in this this deadline window, and you know, thought about going all in on kind of their offensive pedigree and, and getting Eric Carlson. You know, the money just never lined up there. Those, you know, those talks happened, but they didn't, they didn't get the kind of momentum you need to make a deal. Um, you know, Ekholm was, was always someone on their list. I think that they, again, they were close on Chikrin too. Uh, I think they were, they monitored the Gavrikov situation as well. And, and ultimately elected to trade for a stout defender. There's some risk because of Ekholm's age, you know, he's into his thirties and, and assigned for multiple years, but, you know, I think he brings an element. Clearly their blue line was missing. And so, you know, I, I like the deal. I like the the boldness of it. You know, I, I really felt the Oilers couldn't sit on the sidelines this deadline. When, when we're talking about all these other teams with with high ambition, um, you know, going out and making big splashes. If, if Edmonton didn't do this, I, I think that they would have been, you know, really uh, facing a maelstrom in their in their own market there. You know, Connor McDavid's at 52 goals. I mean, these guys are getting better. The core of this team, the West is wide open. Anyway, you slice it. I know there's, there's good teams and good players out there, but I, I'd be hard pressed to name a favorite. And, and I don't see any reason why Edmonton can't go on the kind of run. And so, you know, I, th- I still think that they're in the market for a forward, uh, maybe even another defenseman, but certainly I think they'll add another forward before the deadline on Friday and, you know, good on them for, for getting something done because, for a long time, they were they were taking heat. You know, they managed to trade Jesse Pugliarvi to Carolina, which helped create the cap room they needed, and and you know gives Pugliarvi a fresh start, and and you know allows them to lock down a player like Ekholm, who I think once the, the the shock of the trade wears off for you know he'll be pretty excited to to have a, a new chance this late in his career to play for a contending team. Okay, so uh, if we don't have anything else to add with that, we can go to the Columbus LA trade. We're talking about Jacob Chikrin, and we looked as if Jacob Chikrin could be going to the Kings. And then it gets quiet for a while, and now we know what we know with Chikrin. Uh, And even before that ever happened, uh, Jonathan Quick uh, goes to Columbus, and Eunice Korpisala and Vladislav Gafrikov end up going to Los Angeles. Like, that's such a really... I didn't expect Jonathan Quick to be involved in anything like this. Well, I don't think Jonathan Quick expected it either. Now, in no defensive Rod Blake and, and the Kings, you know, they're having a great year and they've had crappy goaltending this year. Jonathan Quick is 37 on an expiring contract. And I know what he means to the organization. Um, and that you in a perfect world, you wanna, you know, you wanna keep those guys you you want to give them the proper send-off, I guess you'd say, but I don't think Quick was gonna be back in LA either way next season, and I think he still wants to play. And, you know, they needed to make the money work somehow. And, and you know, essentially, L.A. certainly um, LA certainly had a lot of interest in Chikrin. I think that they just couldn't ever come to grips on the price in dealing with Bill Armstrong. And so they, they turned their attention to Gavrikov, who's, you know, expiring contract out of Columbus. And, and then they found a way to address their goaltending weakness. And so here we are. I mean, th- this is the deadline for me, Julian. There's like no sac- sacred cows, right? 
Like all convention no. is out the window. I mean, you're seeing franchise legends like Jonathan Quick traded, you know, sort of against their will or unceremoniously, how you want to put that. We've seen even popular dressing room players like Tyson Berry. We didn't discuss that in the, the Nashville trade. He's a, he's one of Connor McDavid's good friends, a very, very good dressing room guy, popular player at Edmonton. Not someone the Oilers even necessarily wanted to give up, but just that was what they had to do to make the trade. He gets traded off a good team, uh, you know, at this deadline period. All the first rounders, it's just like all the rules that you normally, like the the rules are unofficial rules that the GMs act by. They're all out the window. And I think that that's what the quick trade represents. I'll be, I'll be interested now to see what Columbus can do with quick. You know, they, they've had some discussions with Vegas. Um, you know, you wonder if there's maybe another team out there that would consider taking him on. I think Columbus really wants to do right by the player and, and, and get him to a, a playoff bound team uh, where he can play some meaningful games and, and bring his experience level. Um, but, you know, no guarantee of that. I would say just given the late hour towards this deadline. And in fact, he still carries a $5.8 million cap hit. Uh, it's it's not insignificant given that a lot of teams that might be looking for insurance at that position probably don't have the room to to simply wedge that in there. Okay. Um, how about we get to uh, the Leafs and the flurry of moves that they did? Uh, uh, Luke Shen from Vancouver to the Leafs. Uh, Rasmus Sandin getting moved to Washington. Uh, hopefully I'm not missing anything, but uh, Kyle Dubas obviously to the Islanders. Theory. Yes, that too. Uh, Kyle Dubas keeping himself very busy and very much so uh, worthy of posting the two-phone meme uh, that uh, everyone loves to post. And Sid Sixero, for whatever reason, got very fed up of. Shout out to you, Sid, but uh, I don't agree with you, buddy. It's a great meme. I just need that said on record. Well, I mean, look, it it was three trades in an hour Kyle Dubas made on Tuesday, and that was after... You know, the trade with Chicago to get Lafferty and McCabe, the trade, you know, prior to to get Achari and O'Reilly. It's been a really busy deadline for the Leafs general manager. You know, where they sit right now is that they have set themselves up from a cap perspective to be able to do the things they need to do. One of those things is to activate Matt Murray off long-term injured reserve. He's getting close to return from an ankle injury. They now have the cap space to do that. They've also left themselves with enough cap room to sign Matthew Nyes when his NCAA season ends at the University of Minnesota, that could be in the short term if it's a short playoff run uh, for that team, although they have high ambitions of winning a national championship. So it might not be until the end of the month, uh, but Toronto has at least left itself with the ability to do that. So the question is, what do they do now with this last, you know, 24 plus hours before the deadline? It's my understanding that that a goaltender isn't a priority. Um, you know, all this stuff is fluid. I mean, for one, the Leafs are in the middle of a back-to-back set of games, Perhaps there's an injury situation we don't know about that's developed in, in that time. I mean, that's that's how crazy you get in the final minutes of the deadline is sometimes, you know, something like the injury situation in Boston creates the room to go out and get a, a Bertuzzi that, that might not be there. And so um, dealing with the, the best information we have is the Leafs are still in business, but I, I don't know that they have to make a move. You know, you mentioned the glut of defensemen. I mean, they got, they got nine players on their NHL roster at that position. It's just hard to imagine – that being a tenable situation, how do you keep everyone happy? Um, and so do they, do they move a D is, is Justin Hall's time perhaps, um, you know, coming to, to close in Toronto, maybe Eric Gustafson, who they got in the deal from Washington for Sandine, you know, maybe he's not a, an actual fit for the Leafs. That might've been more of a contractual addition than, than anything. Um, you know, I could see a move coming there, perhaps, you know, freeing up some cap space and roster space to, to get another forward, you know, I think would make some sense, but I don't know who that forward is at this point in time, because 
as mentioned, I, I think that they liked Bertuzzi. I'd actually heard they liked Mike, Mikey Essimont, who, who, who was traded incidentally on Wednesday from San Jose to Tampa. So another potential target goes to another division rival of theirs rather than theirs. And so, you know, when you look at it's the, the cupboard is pretty bare out there if you're still shopping in the forward market. Uh, and so maybe it, 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 it stands that this is the Leafs team as we see, but um, you know, I certainly think that they'll be working the phones and they might need two phones or three phones or four phones uh, to take the calls that they're making. Cause you know, the Leafs are clearly taking the similar posture to Tampa or Boston, you know, the teams they got to try to go through and, and looking for any and all possible ways to, to upgrade their team. Okay. Well, so what about for other teams and other names uh, that could be on the move between today and tomorrow uh, ahead of the deadline, the almighty deadline in which after all of that is done, CJ will finally take a nap. Uh, well, we're getting, we're getting pretty thin. I was actually putting together a CJ's, big board the last one I, I was preparing it on wednesday night to be released this morning thursday and it had jacob chikrin at the top unpublished of course i was working on it so chikrin gets traded wednesday night then it moved tyler bertuzzi to the top i was filing it this morning he gets traded literally in the 20 minutes i'm filing that to my editor so tyler got ripped off so we're already getting i mean even from the board i was going to put together in the last 12 hours we're losing more names right off the top of it i think you know Guys I'm watching closely, James Van Riemsdyk, uh, reasonably certain he'll be moved by Philadelphia. Comes with a big cap hit that the Flyers will retain there. They've been looking for a second-round pick back in return. Could see them ended up maybe taking a little less than that, but but I would expect he'll be moved. You know, Possibilities there include Vegas, um, Minnesota. I think Winnipeg has looked there. Maybe maybe your Calgary Flames, Julian, could be a shopper, I think, you know, depending on price and some other things. I can I can um, say with Calgary they they inquired. I can I can say that they inquired. For sure and I I could still see it falling into place. It'll just see um just see where where the dust settles here. You know, Calgary probably still looking for a left shot D-man. Um not sure it'll be a a big name acquisition. There's you know there's a few guys that'll go out there for for depth um and and lower round picks. Uh, who else is still shopping? I mean, Pittsburgh, kind of a curious move to get Michael Granlund. Um, you know, they have a little bit of cap space left and could see them looking to add. I mean, obviously they're trying to help that team extend its, its NHL best uh, playoff streak for another season. You know, weird times in Vancouver. I mean, the, the Canucks are, are you know, the, the, the Philip Ronick deal doesn't make a ton of sense. I know they've indicated they were going to do this. Jim Rutherford has said on multiple occasions to the, in his media availabilities that, that they wanted to get sort of 25 year old players that could help this core. And, and Hronik fits that, you know, right shot defenseman, nothing against the player whatsoever, but I, I just don't understand taking on his salary and also giving up a first round pick for him. I mean, what the, the pick they just got from the Islanders in the Bo Horvat deal, it's a real head scratcher that they're flipping that one so soon, just because, you know, whether they like it or not, there's, there's gotta be some kind of rebuild there. They need cost controlled assets in Hronik, he's got one more year on his deal beyond this one, and then he's going to have north of $5 million on the qualifying offer or a strong arbitration case. Either way, you're going to be in a position, if you're Vancouver, where you're going to be extending him at big money. They're a team that's trying to unload cap commitments. I know that at, you know in this late hour, they are pressing very hard to try to move Brock Besser uh, before this deadline. I, I don't know if they'll be able to do it. They're going to have to retain money in order to make that happen, uh, I believe, anyway. You know, there has been discussion around JT Miller. Um, again, no sacred cows. I mean, this is a player they've just signed to a seven-year, 
uh, contract extension months ago. He, he has a no movement clause kicking in July 1st, but they've at least explored the possibility of moving him. That's a lot of salary for another team to take on. I, I don't see Vancouver retaining just because you have to retain across both the end of this contract and next one by NHL rules. And so, you know, I don't know if they'll get that done. You know, there is some still some smoke around Thatcher Demko. That could be an off-season move if not now. But you know, Vancouver, it feels like there's another shoe to drop. I think they have to clear out some cap space. And and you know, really, I just I don't understand the move they made yesterday. You know, no no knock on the player. They brought in a good player, but it just feels like half measure after half measure after half measure for that organization. And and I get it in the sense, you know, it seems like ownership wants a playoff appearance every year, but they haven't had very many playoff appearances in the last eight years, if you look at it. And they they keep doing the same types of things, finishing near the bottom of the standings and yet trading away first and second round picks. It just just is an incongruent strategy that that has not brought them the success or the, you know, the the kind of rebuild that, that I think that they badly need. They're 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 so confusing as a franchise. Like all signs point to them looking to rebuild. Then they extend all those players in the offseason. It, it's just I can't think of a franchise that's a little bit more of a head scratcher this year than the Vancouver Canucks. And it's just you're right. This Philip Ronick deal just further cements that. Like they want a playoff appearance. They're not that close. They're teams that are above them right now. They're even thinking of selling. I mean, well, the National Predators come to mind. Detroit too. Like, like, why is Vancouver doing this? Like, what? Like, is it just a disconnect between the Aquilinis and Rutherford and Alvin? Like, like, I, I don't understand what it is. Well, what's do you know what's shifted here? And it's funny because we identified this a week or two ago that this this element was coming. But you've had teams like Washington, Nashville, and Detroit who are kind of all in the playoff bubble, we'll call it, especially if you look back two weeks ago, and they they all pivoted to being sellers. I think they recognized, first of all, that, yeah, they might have teams that, that could get in the playoffs, but we're not going to really have any reasonable chance at a long playoff run. And and that the, the marketplace was a good good time for them to sell some assets. And, they, and they've all recouped, you know, first-round picks and, 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 you know, bolstered their system by doing this. You know, in Washington's case, they flipped the one first rounder for Rasmus Sandin. So they get a cross-controlled D-man, uh, which they don't have a lot of right now, um, with a lot of upside still in his career. I mean, I, I think that those are the teams that have come out of this, you know, pretty smartly, you know, just being reasonable or realistic about where they're at. And Vancouver could have been in that same position. I, I think that they should have adopted a seller's mindset entirely and just traded anything they they could, essentially. I know they trade out Luke Shen. Um, and get a third round pick back. And, and, you know, they did make the Horvat deal earlier in this period of trading, but they, they, I just, I don't understand the philosophy of, of then adding at, at this point in time, at least adding that particular player, just because Ronick, who was having a great year, who absolutely, first of all, he makes them better down the stretch now too. So that they might, they might win a game or two extra that they weren't going to just because they've improved on that, that blue line you know, at a time when they probably should be trying to lose as much as possible. Uh, it's just, it's just a real head scratcher. I'm with you, Julian. And, and um, you know, it's, it's like one foot in one foot out all the time, instead of just having a clear, clear eyes and following a path and, and executing a strategy. Anything else you want to mention in terms of players, teams, anything to look out for uh, before we get to stick taps. Now's the no. time. No, I can't say more because anything else I say will be dated by the time this goes. So and we're trying to okay, we're trying to keep it interesting and real without uh, wasting your time on stuff that's already happened by the time you're listening to this. Fill in the blank. Uh, Chris Johnston, when the trade deadline is over, will do 
blank. Order pizza, yeah, pizza. Sentence. I'm sorry. Order oh, pizza, God, pizza. Yes. Open a bottle of nice red wine and lay in the fetal position on my couch. There'll I be no expect that third one. Oh yeah, I'm not going out <laughs> Friday night or anything. Like it's just like come home, put on comfy clothes, and just just have a chill night. In the fetal position. <laughs> yeah, you know, just curled up, curled up a little bit on the couch <laughs> under the blanket. Maybe, maybe uh, put on yeah, some well... some Yellowstone or something. Get on, get into my Netflix and just like tune out a hockey for a few minutes. Just like this here, like oh yes, the trades won't hurt me anymore. <laughs> Is the new Ted Lasso out yet? I think it's out. Um, not this weekend, but uh, later this month. Okay, because so I'm like gonna with you this month. I'm gonna binge watch that when it comes to that's gonna be part of Mail It In oh, March, yeah. for CJ. Mail it in. I like that. Mail it in March. I like that. Uh, Creed three drops on uh, on Friday. I would like. I don't to even see know what that is. That after. You don't know the Creed. You know the Rocky movies, obviously. Like the old Rocky movies with Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So they rebooted uh, the oh. series, but instead of looking at it through Rocky's eyes. They look at remember like what Rocky two with like uh, Apollo Creed yeah 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 uh, yeah his son is like the the main focus of the of the of the Creed movies it's, it's done through his vantage point like the first two movies like he fights and like Rocky trains him essentially the third one drops on Friday and I believe Sylvester Stallone is not in that one oh okay there you go I'm always learning from you young man. Um, also it's funny too, we're talking about movies because someone actually messaged me yesterday being like, uh, with all the trades going on, uh, James Duffy might have to use our, our movie segment with you on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm excited to see the fans to see our music video. We did. I, I want to see how this goes. I want to see how y'all make a fool out of yourselves. So James Duffy wrote a song about tanking for Bedard. And then they recorded he it. He wrote the song. Yeah, he did. Be crappy for Connor. Be bad for Bedard. Oh, oh, S sneak peek alert. Sneak Losing peek is alert. easy, but winning is hard. Ooh, okay. I, I didn't know you had pipes like that, Siege. Crappy okay. for Connor. Connor, hey. Connor. Don't play hey, with hey. honor, honor, honor. Hey. 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 Um okay. Yeah. O Dog right. is prominent in the video. Cheryl Pounder on the drums. We got of Darren course. Drager on the keyboard. I, I actually had a ukulele. Um anyway, I only have a small role in it, but it, it uh we we dressed up. It was ridiculous. It was a lot of fun. And uh I'm actually going in Thursday after we tape this, uh, record this episode, Julian. And there's another skit that's being done with Bruce Boudreaux that I'm a part of too. So Oh, oh no. How is that going to go? Please. I, don't, I actually this. don't, I'm not even, I'm not going to give any spoilers here because I don't really know what's happening in it. I just know they need me there for it. So anyway, it, this is all fun. Like, let's face it. This deadline every year, there's a joke. Like there's going to be nothing left for the deadline this year. It's actually not really a joke. There might not be much left for Friday, but we're still going to have fun. I got my, I got my food order in after, uh, you know, putting it out there for for the people to choose what I'm going to eat for lunch on Friday. And then 
uh, yeah. And then it'll be a quiet Friday night afterwards. So it's been a busy few weeks, but it's been a hell of a lot of fun, man. Like it, this has been the most interesting deadline period since I've been a reporter covering the NHL. There's, there's no, not even a question about that actually. Man. Uh, it seems like that too. And I can't wait to see what Friday is going to be like. I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I feel like I've been kind of bored and obviously no, I was nowhere going to be working nearly as hard as you are, but like, I was kind of hoping I would get to like write about a trade. Well, Cal- is this Calgary like first and Florida, deadline. I think Calgary and Florida are the only teams that haven't made a trade in 2023. I don't know, man. I feel like... As of the time you of this know, recording. You know, uh, what better way for those two to, you know, get something cooking knowing that they haven't done anything yet, you know? Just, well, just say, it's not like Florida they don't have doesn't have any cap room and it, and it traded away a lot of draft capital last year. Like, I think Bill Zito would like to do something more, but he's just kind of out of the game. You know, he's had some talks with Vancouver on some stuff. Um, you know, Calgary, I just think it, it, there'll be an addition or two, but they'll probably not be headline additions and, you know, no, just man. be just be more modest adding to the, you know, but there's going to be something, man. I just, I, you, they're, they're just not getting a big headline out of it there. All right, let's get to stick taps before we wrap this one up. I'm going to give my stick tap to you and all the other insiders who have worked tirelessly to, provide us with content and uh and and trades and you you've mentioned it's been a pretty busy last few weeks and uh, uh it wouldn't be we wouldn't be all informed if it wasn't uh for you guys and I'll mention Elliot Friedman uh as well you know and shout outs to the the 32 thoughts team just because uh you know we're not on the same team technically doesn't mean we can't shout each other out and uh show some love when possible but definitely for siege you deserve all the love you can get because you've been working your ass off uh, trying to break trades, uh, trying to break stories when you can, and you've been doing an excellent job. Uh, and you've bared a lot of time for us, uh, for us to do the show well, uh, doing the extra pods as well. Uh, you deserve your flowers ahead of the deadline, my man. So you get a stick tap. Thanks, brother. And reminder, we're gonna have a Saturday show too to to review everything when it's all said and done. So that that'll be a fun one for Sir. me. Uh, my stick tap is just to the GMs. No one has been harder on front offices over the years than me. Just bemoaning the lack of creativity and the endless complaints about cap space, restricting movement and all that. They have given us a hell of a ride here the last three weeks. Uh, It's been a lot of fun. I think we've seen a lot of creativity. We've seen a lot of trades that I wouldn't expect. As I said, a lot of rules, sort of unofficial rules being broken to make it happen. And so kudos to the men and women who work in the front offices, getting the job done because I think it's, it's been good for business. It's good for entertainment and the stretch run now, once we get on the other side of the deadline, is going to be tremendous. Yeah. Saturday, bonus podcast coming. Siege, myself. Get your questions in now uh, for Monday's show. Fun questions only uh, for Monday, because we're going to try to make Monday like a, you know, not as serious as what we've had to do the last few days. Fun questions like what pizza topping CJ likes, for example. Or um, what what song? I don't know. I'm trying to think of like some fun questions I would ask CJ. Um, what was the number one song the year you graduated high school? I don't know. <laughs> Stuff like that. Make it fun and interesting for us uh, for our Monday edition of Ask CJ. And watch TSN on Friday, please. Tune in. Reward us. Be crappy for Connor. Be bad for Bedard. I see you, man. I see you, man. You, you got you got stuff going on, man. Maybe you want to we want background vocals of that. Oh yeah. 
we we literally taped it. Oh, like, we yeah. taped like ten versions. That's why the song is still in my head because we had to sing the words like ten ten different times, and they they shot it from different angles and close ups and all that stuff. So, okay, so so we need a full breakdown of that whole video on Saturday when we do our bonus pod. And again, we'll come I'll, back on Monday. I'll come with, with a, a, Bru- a good one. Bruce Boudreaux story too. I promise that. Okay. All right. So we're in for that. That's what we call a tease people. CJ's getting us already uh, for the next few shows we got going on for siege. I'm Julian. So long. Enjoy your weekend. And be crappy for Carl. The Chris Johnston show powered by sports interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.